Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Movie, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for filmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello. How's it going? It's it's going. It's been so cold in Chicago. Okay, and... no, the only person who's allowed to talk about uh, how cold wait, 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 it's wait, 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 wait. been on this podcast <laughs> is Bill Graham. <laughs> no, but I... Fine, fine. I'll say this instead. I didn't think Mercury and Retrograde was a real thing until this year, because the last few weeks, they have sucked ass. So I think Mercury and Retrograde's very real now. Wait, is Mercury is is Mercury in Retrograde? Until yesterday. Yeah, I think it was uh, late January. Say, until yesterday. So yes, yesterday and today and from now into the future, right? Should it's, it be much better? It's just going to be a, a perfect. No, Mercury okay. turns retrograde again on May 29th. Oh, God damn it. Well, that's that's a while away. I, we'll, we'll make some good stuff happen. But my my astrologically in, influenced friends uh, constantly say, like, oh, but then you have to worry about like Mercury and shade or like the shade of retrograde. They basically just always have a planetary excuse for shit to be going wrong. And I call bullshit. I, I, I like it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna adopt it. it makes okay. me feel better about my life. <laughs> that's that's oh god. Oh boy. Anyway, Bill Graham, uh, you're alive. That's good news. Yes, I survived. That's, that's... I, I have power. I survived. No busted pipes. Um, yeah, we're we're doing good here. I even I even got outside and willingly braved the cold this morning to go run with my yeah. running group. Um, yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I had a very eventful week. Um, but I am, I am good now. <laughs> uh, it, it got down to 46 degrees inside my house. Um, we were bundled up quite a bit. So, um, for those of y'all that haven't been paying attention, living under a rock or whatever, uh, Dallas and Texas in general had a f- crazy snowstorm come through knocked out most of the power grid in texas because uh you know we do texas things like only be on our power grid and not share with the rest of the country so (laughs) that's a thing um that i didn't realize like i signed up for by living here but uh you know now now i know um, it was in the fine print, Bill. <laughs> yes, yeah. I should have read that in my user agreement. But, uh, you know, uh, it seems like most most things are okay now. But, yeah, um, some people died. Definitely. That's that's a tragedy. So, that's yeah. It's been like a uh, running theme of the last 12 months. Though. Yes, yes. It's uh, it's starting all over again. I, I, I jokingly said uh, on on Facebook the other day, uh, can I return 2021 for a refund? And someone said, well, you can get 2020. And I said, sir, I would like to talk to your manager. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to a podcast the other day and someone said that if anyone's life got better during 2020, they were an awful person. And I was like, all right, I guess I need a new shirt. Yep. Yeah. I hear it. All right. And with us today, a special guest to help us talk about Nomadland. It's Robin. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hi. How's it going? Uh, It's doing all right. Yeah. Temperature wise, you're feeling all right. I have I been out of my house to know that I don't think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was actually a very special day yesterday. I did leave the house. Uh, I took a memorial selfie so that I could remember mm-hmm. that I did that, and it it was good. And it was thirty degrees, but that's that's okay for Boston in the winter. So I <laughs> had a very nice walk home, and I was not cold very much. Well, that's good. And as I said, um, well, actually, would you like to, you know, introduce yourself to our listeners and uh, tell them a little about yourself and where you come from? Yeah, You've sure. Been on um, so much that I'm just like, yeah, here you are, whatever. But. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, I am a film and television critic, freelance. Um, I write primarily for the Hollywood Reporter. Um, I did have something recently published in the Washington Post, which was Ooh. a really, really fun experience. Um, I have really great editors, and so I. Um, I'm very happy with that. And, um, you know, mostly just living through a pandemic right now. Yeah, that happens. Really? You too? I know. It's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. I work um, in a field. My regular job is related to human services. I work with a, a lot of people who have uh, who are in mental health crises, a lot of young people. And I was talking to my boss and I was like, you know, the other people in the organization finally understand what many of our students are going through because now everyone understands what it's like to be completely isolated and away from uh, away from their loved ones and mildly depressed or more than mildly um, or just have chronic anxiety it is so interesting to see people kind of fall into this collective empathy space um, when it comes to mental health that I don't think we were I don't think we were all in a year ago or more than a year ago. I um, I remember reading an, uh, an article that was like, I don't know, a couple months into the pandemic. And it was just like, who are the people who are doing well during the pandemic? And it <laughs> talked about people with like severe depression and anxiety disorders who were like, is it weird that I suddenly feel like great and fine? <laughs> and it was like this thing of like, yeah, well, if you live your entire life wondering when the other shoe is going to drop and then it does, suddenly you're like, all right, well, it happened. Now I just got to exactly. live it. I mean, that's just melancholia. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Which, once again, I will say Melancholia is a brilliant movie, and uh, it's really good. And I'm pretty sure we talked about it on this podcast, but I don't know. Yeah, no idea. It's all blending together. Look, I've been doing this for like almost a decade, apparently. (laughs) So I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, my God. What have I done with my life? Um, anyway, so let's, uh, let's, let's move on. What are we doing here? First of all, uh, if you'd like to become a patron of this show, go to patreon.com slash film stage show. Uh, don't forget to give us a comment rating on iTunes and you can find us on Twitter at film stage show, Facebook, the film stage show, and you can email us podcast filmstage.com. And of course we are brought to you by Mubi, the curated streaming service that showcases exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Movies Curators introduce a brand new film for you to watch and enjoy. 
and uh, they've got some great stuff that's coming up. Uh, we talked about uh, the Ryan Gosling doubleheader that they've got going on. Uh, that's Blue Valentine and Only God Forgives, which is just sure, a sure. great movie. Um, and I will brook <laughs> no discussion as to whether or not that is true. Um, good then, use of Brooke. Yeah. Very good use of Brooke. Thank you. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Um, and then uh, they also have a new thing coming up. It's Extraordinary Heroes and Villains, a Takashi Miike double feature, uh, known primarily for outrageous violence and extremity of his films. Japanese director Takashi Miike is, in fact, one of the most versatile and prolific filmmakers in contemporary cinema. Working across an abundance of genres, Miike's body of work is unified by its holistic spirit of converging the commercial and the radical, exemplified by two films in this double bill and its characters and the audiences that they address. The first is a film that I had not heard of called Zebra Man. Yeah, I have not seen it, but he has fucking 85 films. So that's <laughs> the thing. I, haven't. I, I feel like people are like, are you excited for the new Takashi Miike? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. And they're like, it's suddenly as though they're a time traveler from the future or like an, a fourth dimensional being who names like six films that are coming out that I've never heard of <laughs> all in the same year. Too. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so Zebra man, uh, honoring the tradition of TV, Japanese TV superheroes, cult director Takashi Miike brought this madcap vision of the genre with this family friendly zebra man filled with striking images and charmingly gaudy CGI. The film strides, strides the line between spoof and action resulting in an imaginative adventure. Uh, you could probably guess that juxtaposed against that is audition. His uh, just notorious, crazy old horror film <laughs> from 1999. So if you would like to check out those, go to MUBI.com slash film stage for a free 30 day trial. Again, that is MUBI.com slash film stage for a free trial of Mubi. I don't know if I'm like a sicko or something, but I barely remember Audition. Is, is it, it supposed like, to stick you... in your brain? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Let me read the copy and see what uh, it said. No, it doesn't say it's going to stick in your brain. It does say it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's really funny because isn't there like a whole thing with needles in that? Like, are we doing an accidental uh, or, or intentional pun here? to stick in uh, one's brain <laughs> i just mostly don't remember all of that gore and i really like gore a lot so like i know intellectually that i saw it i have no recollection of any of the imagery interesting <laughs> i've never seen it it's one of those movies where i was just like yeah i don't know if i need that in my life it's not really i mean i don't know i i, I can't see some of that like extremely graphic shit like I was trying to figure out whether I should watch Martyrs recently, oh God. but um, yeah, it's. I mean, there's like a, some gruesome parts, but it's not. I don't know. I, I, well, I don't that know. was Maybe helpful, Michael. Thank you. <laughs> you know, no, I, I like. I don't really have. I would say the thing that I don't like is I don't like bones that much. And man, Coco must have been rough for you. What? What? Coco must have been rough for you. <laughs> <laughs> worse than the raid yeah <laughs> it's just like there's bones everywhere but yeah i don't know audition isn't that bad but also someone's gonna watch it and be like you fucking psycho <laughs> so yeah yeah i yeah. now i kind of have ideas for how to prank you <laughs> no don't do just it. send michael like some bones, bones. <laughs> 
I'll send you some bone broth or something. <laughs> You're gonna send me like a medical vi- medical video, like that's your version of uh, Rick Rolling. I made a Rick Roll joke. <laughs> yes, you 21. did. So um, it's frightening. Continue. So yeah, keep so... bones in our freezer. So maybe I'll just send you our bag of bones. <laughs> So uh, Mary Beth is going to send me a bunch of marmalade and Michael's yeah. going to get a bunch of bones. Yeah, lucky me. No, I'm going to send you marmalade. What, what, what's going on here? Thought, well, it was Every, a general I, call to give me marmalade, which luckily has not happened. Schmidt spirits send marmalade. <laughs> yes, exactly. Maybe we can ferment it into a delightful orange concoction. That sounds lovely. It does. Anyway, um, so that's that. Uh, we've kind of already given our crazy quarantine life updates. Um, it's I never thought I'd get to the point where like uh, quarantine update corner would be like a boring thing that we just stopped doing. <laughs> um, because when it started, it was just so insane. It was like, oh, my God, what is this thing that's happening and how are we processing it? And now it's just like, yeah, it's still happening. I don't know. Shit sucks. Yep. Yeah. I wonder if that would happen like during a zombie apocalypse, just like a year and everyone's like, uh, the fucking walking dead came by and I had to like just waste a shit ton of them and no one really like got hurt. But, uh, it's just so annoying. It's worse than the rabbits that are eating our crops. The only good part was it was our neighbor who got sick, who was really annoying. So <laughs> now we don't have to deal with them anymore. That would be hilarious if you just like started like harvesting the saliva of the undead to like have an excuse to kill your neighbors. Just putting it in there, yeah, in their like dinner or something. Yeah, it's the new flaming bag of poop on a doorstep is to turn your neighbors into zombies so you have an excuse to decapitate them. Jesus. Anyway, um, I got a new screenplay to write, so I'm gonna go. <laughs> We are here to talk about Nomadland, uh, the newest picture from director Chloe Zhao. And this movie stars Frances McDermott as a woman who uh, loses her job, loses her home, loses really her entire town. That's an interesting aspect we'll have to talk about. Um, And then decides to live the life of a modern day nomad living out of her van and taking iterant work wherever she can get it across these United States. It is out in theaters and on Hulu now. Uh, So take a look. Uh, We're here to talk about it. And here is the trailer. You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. And they sometimes call you nomads. My mom says that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. My husband worked at the USG mine in Empire. I All was right. So that is the trailer for Nomadland. Again, it is out now on Hulu and in theaters if you have those available to you. Let's talk about it. Uh, we begin, as always, with our spoiler-free thoughts. Before moving into spoilers, let us begin with our guest, Robin. What did you think of Nomadland? I really loved it. I mean, I <clears throat> I honestly struggled with many of the films that came out toward the end of the year, but even very into the early part of 2021. Um, you know, I kind of described it as as the the studios and the distributors really pushed off many of the big blockbusters. Right? They they've delayed a lot of the superhero tent 
tentpole films and lots of the comedies that were going to do big business. And that left <laughs> all of the depressing <laughs> indies um, <laughs> and all of the Oscar players that were just despairing. And I think I marathoned like 60 movies or something in between November and December, um, trying to gear up for the end of the year um, award, critic awards and, and all that stuff. And I remember being like so achingly depressed <laughs> after watching these because they're all genocide and abuse and fascism and animal cruelty and loss of culture. I mean, there I could name a, 20 movies that fit into this bill. Alcoholism, dementia. There were like seven dementia movies last year. Now so, you're just totally making fun of Michael Snydell's top 10 of the year list. <laughs> <laughs> I, mine too. Trust me, mine too. And then I sat down to watch Nomadland and thinking, oh, this is going to be more misery porn. I mean, it kind of starts out in this... Uh, you know, she's customizing her van and then she's going to work as a as a warehouse worker at Amazon. And of course, we've all heard the horror stories of that that experience. And then the film turns into something completely different. And it's not misery porn. It really becomes very life affirming. And you sort of begin to understand that this journey is not really one of desperation, per se, but it's much of it is her choice because she um, really responds well to the to the isolated life on the road. And you learn a lot more about her throughout the film um, and how she ends up in this kind of subculture. Uh, but I just thought it was a really beautiful film and not at all um, crushing in the way that many, the way that A, that trailer makes it seem, and B, the way that many of the other big Oscar-nominated or Oscar-hopeful films uh, are crushing in many ways. And, and, and there, I could go into a whole description of why those particular films are um, really deeply just gutting. But this one, I don't know, I finished it feeling hopeful. And I don't know if anybody else felt the same way. Well, let's find out. Michael Snydell. It's it's really interesting, Robin, that you say that this, um, you know, that this wasn't crushing and things like this, because I, I think I might have liked this significantly more if it, if it was crushing I, in a way. I, I, I think that, I guess the, I, I mean, obviously I'm a miserable bastard, but besides that. Yeah, you uh, giggle I, I, too much, so. I, I, I know, I, and I giggle too much. It's I, I contain multitudes. Um, I, I guess what I'd say about this is that I just, I think that this is two movies at odds with each other, and I don't find either of them uh, particularly interesting. And, you know, like the writer Chloe Zhao's last film was kind of interesting because it was very much also a hybrid of, you know, docufiction and a very fictional storyline. You had a you had a main character who was a non-actor, and I believe all of his family is, is non-actors, yeah. if I remember correctly. And, you know, like that was, it, it wasn't exploitative, but it felt a little weird at times, but I thought it was very interesting. This, though, I... I don't know what this is is trying to do. It feels at odds with me in having, or at odds for me in in the way that it stars Frances McDormand as this huge star, 
as almost a proxy to listen to a lot of non-actors other than David Strahan. Um, and like, I, I guess the thing about it is I, I think that these non-actors, their stories are are very engaging, but I, I feel like I'm just getting pieces of them that are meant to accumulate into something else. And, and I found that I was just, I wasn't particularly interested in, in Fern's journey. I just wanted to spend time with these non-actors. I, I, I wanted, um, like I, it, it's funny cause like there's a, there's a, a very good scene early on where they're essentially going through the to-dos with RVs and they meet this kind of interesting, uh, it, he, I mean, he has a little bit of a hippie survivalist vibe named Bob, and he's going through uh, all of these interesting instructions about, uh, you know, what to do if your if your tire goes out, you know, how you deal with the lack of plumbing in, in your van, and and I found that stuff far more interesting than what the film wanted me to focus on, which was just kind of to me this very uh, false. Um, just kind of postcard exploration of, of Americana. And um, I, I, I think that, I, I feel like every time I was starting to get on this film's wavelength, it would do something to intrude. Uh, like people really love the music in here from uh, Ludovico Ainaudi. I'm so sorry if I mispronounced that, but uh, like, I just, I felt like that was really um, intrusive and it's kind of this tinkly piano and strings. And then you have uh, Joshua James Richards, who's the cinematographer and he does like, he juxtaposes these like extreme close-ups of these non-actors and then these huge widescreen vistas. And just, I just, I don't, think that these things cohere and and the longer i was in this the more it just started feeling like platitudes and kind of toothless and i did want the story of like empire nevada and i wanted the story of these people who are going through this without getting like little snapshots of their life uh, I guess the last thing I would say is, I mean, it's fascinating because there are definitely analogs to this in the last few years, like uh, things like American Honey, which is, I'd say, deeply yeah. problematic, but I'd say is more interesting personally than this to me. Uh, but then like, I Leave No Trace. Uh, Leave No Trace is a film I really love from the last few years. And I've, I've said Kelly Reichard is uh, one of my favorite living filmmakers. So it's just a lot of this felt watered down to me and the last thing i need to say is it's very likely i'm just extremely resentful of the fact that we got first cow this Michael, year people and are no Madland. screaming at you and i just have to say deborah granick did leave no trace no no i said and oh, kelly okay. records the way that you said that made it sound like no no, no. Uh, so i just want to confirm yeah thank <laughs> we you know who directed uh, leave no trace no De deborah granick so leave no trace <clears throat> and then stray dog which i I highly recommend, which is about a uh, a cuddly biker who deals with uh, trauma by um, being a part of a motorcycle gang. It's, it's delightful. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's all to say. Like this just felt watered down and kind of endless to me. 
but as much as I, I either wanted, so I either wanted a documentary of this thing or I either wanted more of just like Francis McDormand and David Strahan who have like electric chemistry, but also get really caught up in like the fiction part of this movie. So yeah, I had a lot of, a lot of problems with this, but, um, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Bill Graham. So I saw this a while ago, um, around, I guess, right before I had to vote for the awards and everything like that. And, uh, I was putting it off because throughout the year, this has been kind of this end, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, first cow, which, uh, I saw very early into the pandemic, uh, last year, but this and, uh, first cow were really kind of the early front runners. And I think Nomadland has just kind of continued to hold its lead. So I knew I didn't have to go rush out and go see it because I knew it would probably get nominated in our awards and all this other stuff. So I kind of put it off and sought out some other things. Um, so I wasn't coming in with a lot of expectation um, because I had heard very mixed things at, outside of like the critical raves uh, that this film was getting. And I guess, you know, there's there's definitely a difference between like awards consideration and like what people think are front runners versus like what actually is a good movie. Right. Um, so I came in without high expectations and you know i hadn't seen the writer which i had heard uh good things about but you know i mean francis mcdormand is definitely a actress that like as soon as she's attached to a project i'm definitely more interested in it um and i really enjoyed this um now that being said there's going to be a lot to talk about for sure um i think people really want this film to be something that it doesn't want to be. And I think Chloe Zhao has been very vocal and out out front about this, that she didn't want this to be about class and about, um, you know, uh, consumerism and everything else and capitalism and all of these things. She really wanted to just focus on the nomad lifestyle and, and like, put a light to some of these people and, and their struggles. And I think one of the other things that she mentioned, I was listening to an interview with, um, with Elvis Mitchell. Uh, and if you haven't listened to any of his podcasts, they're fantastic. But, um, he, he was talking to her and she was saying that really the, the thing that she focused on was that a lot of older people don't have a safety net. There's, you know, we, we push them through our society and basically they get towards, you know, 60, 70, 50, 60, 70 years old. And all of a sudden, you know, they're outside of the prime of their working lives. And, you know, if they haven't made enough money to that point, it's kind of like, all right, you got social security. Good luck. And it's like, uh, that's not enough for a lot of people to really live, you know, I mean, it's supposed to be the glory days. It's supposed to be retirement and it's supposed to be like, now I don't have to work for, for 
a living, now I get to live. And it seems like this is a way for a lot of those people to kind of transition without having to buy a house or do all these other things. So, um, I don't know. That's, that's where I kind of come from. It is, I feel like a lot of people put a lot of pressure on this film to be something that it, it doesn't have a lot of interest in being. Um, there are other issues certainly, but, uh, I think that's the main one that I keep hearing coming up. So, um, I'm curious to talk about it. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the cinematography in particular was really good. Um, and yeah. So for me, I found this to be rather, large disappointment um i've not seen any other films by chloe zhao um i remember really wanting to see the writer mm-hmm. and then i just didn't because i have too much going on um and so i walked into this and i was like oh this is great like we're going to talk about this one we didn't talk about the writer i can finally get to see you know this this director that i've been very very interested in and I gotta say, I don't love what this movie is doing. I don't love its sort of like docudrama trappings mashed up with its its beautified Malikian everything else. I mean, it just like I I I kept finding myself not liking whichever movie I was watching in the movie I was watching it, and wishing it would pick one and stick with it. Um, I think that like a documentary about this kind of lifestyle would have been more interesting to me. I think a documentary about the town of empire would have been more interesting to me. I feel like I don't find Fern to be a particularly compelling character to follow. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I really wasn't like, there came a point when I was like, how many times are they going to just like wander somewhere during the magic hour, which is a person who loves days of heaven. I don't know that I ever (laughs) assumed that I would think that about a movie. But I was just like, do these people never come out in full sunlight? Like, what is happening? Why is this? And like, it's beautiful. I get it. But it just it started to to grate on me because I was like, I like you you have these moments of like, oh, this is like a kind of gritty look at this lifestyle. But then also it's this, oh, it's this beautiful, poetic, elegiac thing that's going on. And I kept thinking about how, you know, it seemed to want to function as an everyman story that could like sub in for all of the people who might live this way but it it just needed to and it does that in part by having like some real nomads like play themselves basically and but i just no one like doesn't seem like these people have lives like the stories they tell and the way they speak it's just it's like documentary talking head moments but like put into a narrative structure so that there's never a point where I felt like these were real human beings interacting. And and then it was over and I was just like, that's it. This is what I was here for. Like I I don't understand. I don't I didn't I didn't dig it. I'm not gonna say I hated it because I there's stuff to recommend in here and I this this does make me want to go and watch the writer, but uh, this is the worst thing that I could say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I then went and looked at the 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 IMDB page for the writer. And saw again that a lot of people were playing characters that were named after themselves. And I was like, oh, God, is it the same thing? Is it the it's, same? Like, I and I just I don't want that. I don't I don't want, you know, this this thing where we kind of like take a an actor and place them into a reality and then don't do anything interesting with it. Because I think that it's not enough just to show me this lifestyle. 
Like I need someone that I care about. And like, I, you know, heaven help me. I, I like Francis McDermott, but I really don't care about Fern. I just don't. There's, I never found my in with her. And I don't think that's like the character. I think that's just the, the, the movie. Um, so yeah, I was a little disappointed in this one. What a bunch of cynics. Well, Bill liked it. (laughs) (laughs) You've got one person on your side. It may be Bill, but that's technically better than nothing. Hey. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This piece of lint like the movie. (laughs) Jesus, okay. I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was that bad, but okay. It's getting worse. (laughs) Look, we don't call Bill lint. We call him a goldfish. (laughs) <laughs> I, I I went from a human being with a name to Lint, so people give me up. I was interpreting his his thoughts. Um, man, I am so sad that nobody grokked this movie. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I you know, but here's like we talked about this during our top ten episode, where I was like, there came a point towards the end of the year where I was like, looking at all these screeners, I was getting it's like Minari and nomadland and the 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 what's the one the news of the world and i was just like i'm not gonna i can't i don't fucking want to i'm just not Mm -hmm. gonna do it i've got my top 10 most of the films on it are populist nonsense and i don't give a shit and i you know part of me wonders like would i be more receptive to this if i had had to again as i keep saying sit in a theater with it alone and like not be able to like i it took everything in my power not to immediately pause the movie just on the title screen and look up Empire, um, what is it, Nevada? And because mm-hmm. I was like, is that is that real? Like, is that a real thing? And it is. Um, you might be interested to know that in uh, d- uh, 2016, the entire building was sold, or the entire building, the entire town was sold to a different mining company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for apparently 11.38 million dollars. So that's cool. But yeah, I mean, there was just so many, th- and like. Every time that they showed me another real life thing, I kept like wanting to pause the movie to look it up. I was like, is this is this Santa Claus looking guy like a real person? Like, that's interesting. <laughs> like, I really want to look that up. And then I found out that it's this movie is based on like a journalistic, you know, yeah. book. I was like, yeah, oh, that Jessica Bruder. Yeah, that yeah. sounds Surviving. super freaking cool. I want to read that. And I don't want to have to be stuck with Fern the entire time. Um, Yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. But I, I think that maybe there might just be, I think like the wear of the last year and everything might have finally gotten to me. Like I just, I had no. You could just dislike it. You don't have to have also any possible. wear last year. <laughs> but it's just one of the, like usually I think maybe even if I hadn't liked it, I still might be able to say nicer stuff about it. But I do think that like, like Robin said, there came a point when I was just like, I do miss the trash. I do kind of <laughs> want some of the bullshit back, you know, like. You need balance. Right. Because I just can't. I don't want to sit down and watch a bunch of sad people in layers huddled against the wind talking about stuff, which I feel like is most of the movies that we started getting at the end of the year. Even Soul was depressing. Yes, it was. But at least there was a cat with a human soul in it. (laughs) No, Soul was really good. cat was ugly. (laughs) I thought that was a funny cartoon cat. All Um, right. But anyway, yeah, I don't know. There was just, I, it's, it's like, yeah, I don't know. And like even, but I again, I don't know. I still wouldn't have liked this movie because I, again, I think that the, uh, I think the central narrative isn't interesting. I think that 
it would have been more interesting to take this kind of cinematography and the way that it's shot and just apply it to a, a documentary. Like, go to one of these uh, get-togethers, talk to these people, and just, you know, edit that together into, like, a nice little 45-minute doc, and then, then I'd get everything I needed. But do you get I... the same intimacy with a documentary? Because I, I doubt that you could be in it with her if you had it, like just following Swanky or Linda May or something. I think you need Fern to be the stand-in. You need to get into her head more so than you can get into a real person. Well, that kind of brings me... I, I think Bill uh, Bill brought up something I was thinking a lot about in terms of, like, people want this a little bit to be something that it's not. And, and I think on some level... I am approaching some of this in in the wrong way. Like uh, I, I was reading, a, I think it was Mark Ash who, who was saying, and, and he was saying that, um, you know, where something like Kelly Reichert's films or Deborah Granick's films, they're literally, you know, they are accounting for every, you know, every purchase for every mm-hmm. single mm-hmm. thing that they're, that they're doing in that film. Like, you know, there's, there's a point in this movie where there's an operation <laughs> that is never explained how it's paid for. Like, like there well, is, there... it's, it's insurance. That's, that's the thing. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I, 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 sorry. I build, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, like, I think I medical think insurance is... comes, comes into play and yeah, they, they kind of hand wave it away. But I mean, that's, I think he uh, I think the person actually uh, the doctor treating the person actually says to Francis McDormand, uh, they have really good insurance. And you're just like, yeah. what? They, they got what? And it's like, OK, I guess, you know, I mean, it, it seems like some of these people, it, the, the criticism that I keep seeing come up is that Francis McDormand has a safety net and a lot of these other people don't right and it's a choice as opposed to it's a a choice but i think ultimately it is also a choice that a lot of these people are making we're not giving them enough credit that they are making a choice in their life as well they you know i think at one point francis mcdormand mentions to to someone or the job placement service and you know this film to me doesn't do a great job of really showing that Amazon is a um is a temporary job like I get that it is it it does enough to kind of give you that sense but the work that they do seems so just kind of low-key and like stress-free that it's like that's not busy season for Amazon they they would be weird yeah (laughs) it's it's very different than what I was expecting so I thought it was just okay just they just work there and then you know maybe there's like a high period where they have a, a few extra employees and then just like down season where they just kind of reduce staffing and that's it because it never gave me the sense that they were like under a lot of pressure and stress to like you know perform it just seemed like okay yeah this doesn't seem that bad and uh yeah having that seen is sorry not- we missed you i was like ready for this movie to be like <laughs> awful and like in terms of like what amazon is doing but like seems like it's pretty cool 
someone's yeah. arm gets like stuck in machinery or, or something. <laughs> right, and then they like... not only do they lose their arm, but they also have to like pay back the company for lost time or something. Yeah, yeah. You know? it, instead, it, she's just like, I'm sitting here, I'm listening to this fucking idiot talk about their tattoos <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. their Morrissey tattoo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, certainly. And and she explains to that job placement services person, she's like, I like to work. I I'm good at work. Like, p- give me a job. And it seems like a lot of these other people are at an age or at a pl- point in their life where they're like, fuck that. I don't want to work anymore. And so I am choosing to take myself out of the job market, right? And we've heard about this, you know, with all the economic downturn and all the, uh, you know, high unemployment ratings that we've had where, you know, it steadily improves. And a lot of people are like, yeah, because people are fucking giving up. Like they're just not applying for jobs anymore. So they're not part of that statistic of, they don't have a job because they're at a certain age where we just don't count them anymore. And so, um, I think that's, that's kind of the reality is she is a different perspective of what this lifestyle looks like. And let's not mistake this for anything other than this is a lifestyle choice that a lot of these people are making. Now they are not as well off or have that safety net that Francis McDormand's character does, but I don't want to take away their choice in life and just say, no, they're just poor. No, these people are choosing to live this way. They would be drawn to this kind of lifestyle, whether they had a decent amount of money set aside in savings or in the case of David Strathairn's character, maybe they just do. Maybe he came from corporate America, right? And that's why I'm, I'm getting into spoilers, but fuck it. Like, you know, maybe that's why he has good insurance is is it's part of his retirement plan. And he's just like out here just being like, I don't want to fucking do a lot of this other shit, you know. But but Bill, I, I, I think the thing there is that like I, I think you're right that at a certain point we are taking agency from some of the real people in here and some of the conversation does you know get into literally the you know like a resentment of a a lower class or it's some of that stuff but i don't think you can really push past that we are still using a major movie star as an in to talk to these people like as much as francis mcdormand is like more stripped down than her usual performances and is very much a a sounding board sounding board the word i'm looking for here yeah like a sounding board for so many of these stories like we it it still becomes like waypoints for her it's not like we're like i i think what brian brought up is is really interesting and i kind of had the same feel and i use the word snapshots is like I didn't feel like a lot a lot of these non-actors were actually allowed to talk about their life other than in the sense of like tragedy or like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm sick. I, I have this. I, I have this. Like that's why I liked that scene with that guy Bob who's just talking about the general life of living in an RV. Like I feel like so many of these conversations with non-actors you know whether it's the person who asked her about her wedding ring or uh again like the person talking about his his son and things like that sorry i'm being vague because we're still not quite in spoilers but um 
Like all of those things, they feel again, they feel like waypoints. Like there's no grace notes there for me. It's like, let me spend time with this person as they tell me about the deepest thing they've ever experienced. And like Frances McDormand like has pathos because she's unable to not in like even the best or even like the worst movies. She's always great. But like, I I don't, I'm kind of with Brian in the sense that like, I don't know why I'm there. And then as we go on, it starts getting more and more ponderous and less time spent with those people. It starts becoming a, a road movie, but like not totally because it it still very much wants to then collide with a more typical Hollywood film. Like it's, I, I just, I don't, I, I just, as much as you're right that I'm looking for something that's not quite here, I can't move past the fact that <laughs> there is a huge barrier there. They thought I needed a movie star as an end to these people. Like I, 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 I think, I think that's a little disingenuous because it's, it's purporting that she is using this, this, movie star to give us an in. And I think it's more of she is using that person to give this film, like you were mentioning, like a sounding board. She, she has made films, right? The writer is mainly composed of non-actors. She, she is comfortable in, in working with that. I think her first film is also, uh, in in a similar vein where it's mainly non-actors. So she's clearly very familiar with it. She enjoys that kind of style of, of, uh, cinema and, and making it, or maybe it's because she just, you know, didn't have a lot of budget and that's, that's where she ended up using a lot of her resources and, and that's, sure. that's the way she wanted to go. Um, it, but either way, I, I just feel like people are focusing in on Frances McDormand to a point where it's like, she is not like a, a box office draw. She's not someone that's like really going to, to do much for your movie except secure you some funding maybe um what are you talking you know, she's not nicole kidman yeah many many movies like she's clearly a draw to some people like yeah but i understand what bill is saying which is she's not this glamorous not person kid. that is yeah. wearing prosthetics and suddenly dressing down or something like this, this is kind of her brand to some degree to begin with. But doesn't that give this a a sheen of prestige automatically? Sure, of having... sure. And 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 I've I've heard that criticism levied at this film countless times. And and I don't I don't have a lot to kind of fight back against. You know, people pushing back against the political system of you know prestige dramas and and what you know, Oscar bait and, and sure. all of these kind of terms that get thrown around, which I feel like, look, like Chloe Zhao made two films prior to this that was, were gaining increasing, you know, critical, you know, consensus of like sure. her being someone to watch and everything. The writer like was definitely a breakout for, for yeah. sure. Like it, and it, so like, yeah. 
I, I feel like people are like, oh, she cashed in and like this is her big like Disney <laughs> No, that's her movie. next movie. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I seriously. Like, like, like that that's what people are saying is that this is her big cash in before she goes in to go make a Disney movie, go make Eternals for the MCU. And you know, this time around, she, you know, is trying to push for that Oscar. And I'm just like, that just makes all these artists feel so artificial and just so like, just like cogs in a, in a, in a system that is just really depressing to hear other people just like, like kick out the legs from underneath of these artists that are just trying to make like a really good film. Like I, I remember, uh, listening to chloe and she was chloe uh what do you call her chloe (laughs) chloe zhao i i I was gonna call her miss zhao but i i assume she's oh boy (laughs) ma'am ma'am uh anyways nanny It's one of those things where she mentions one of the things that she loves about these road movies and and things like that is these conversations that people have. And she was saying that if you go into a Starbucks, right, and you keep going into that Starbucks, you're going to have very surface level conversations with most of those people because you see that fucking person again. And she was saying that this, the no bad lifestyle in particular ends up being very unique in that you spend some time with these people, but then you go your separate ways, right? We're not all going to that new second job or whatever is that next thing down the line. And so you end up having these really deep and really interesting conversations with people where they would not say a lot of these things or like just lay their heart out on the line in a lot of ways because they would see that person again and be really awkward and be like all right so what you got next you know it's like i fucking told you my life story so go away (laughs) you know it's one of those things where she she was really struck by that and i think i think there is a certain honesty in that and like i certainly understand why some people are like well i need more more substance there than just like their their heartbreak right and i totally get that but i don't know like i i I still feel like i got to know a lot of these people um you know the, the bob the 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 santa claus man like like he is the kind of nomad leader in a lot sure. of ways. And I, 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 I found character like, in the movie. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I, I loved his life story and I loved like and what Linda. he was talking Linda's great too. Yeah. Linda's great as well. And like, you know, so many of these characters I've really enjoyed being, being around and spending time with. And I'll be honest, like I liked having Francis McDormand there as kind of my guide through that. Right. And yeah. And and I don't need someone to be a big flashy. You know, she's given that big flashy performance in three billboards. Right. Is it three billboards? Yeah. And, you know, in a bunch of things. Yeah. 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 And she is very low. (laughs) She's very low key in this. Right. She is not bombastic. She is her whole point is just to like silently interact with someone so they can spout off a bunch of poetic sounding shit about their life. And then. Oh, come on. All right. Well, here's here's the thing. I think you're there is something to be said that there's a possibility of having bad faith ideas about intention here. But then so let's bring it to form. Like I, I might have 
Like, I like that idea, what you're saying, Bill, about the idea that if you're part of that nomad culture, you are going to have these really intense, intimate conversations. But when she juxtaposes that, as, as Brian was saying, everything's a golden hour shots. Everything has this just like, just uh, insistent music underneath that's like, feel the, I want you to be moved right now. Wait, I, wait. I want you I to need... think about we need to pause to talk about this music um, since you brought it up, Michael. Did anyone else? W- I should just ask this question because I honestly think this. Is that a piano cover of I'll Always Remember Us This Way from A Star Is Born? I don't no think idea. so. <laughs> I, there's White Christmas <clears throat> and there's the song from the beginning of the Big about Is it the man and me? No, when, when, sh- when she's driving and the piano is going, I like... <laughs> I like stopped the movie and listened to it again. Cause I was like, I know this song. Like, what is this? And the only thing I, like I closed my eyes and listened to it. And I was like, I think this is a cover of always remember us this way from a star is born. <laughs> and so I was just curious if so. anyone knew if that was the case. Cause otherwise it's just like strikingly similar. <laughs> No, I don't. I, didn't. I did not notice that. Okay, whatsoever. maybe I'm just crazy. It's been a weird week, you know. So, anyway, that's it. I'll be quiet again. <laughs> no, that's no. I, I don't know. I just feel like there's so many more egregious examples of what you're describing, which is that that desperation to tug at the viewers' heartstrings. I'm honestly surprised that this is an Oscar movie to begin with, because. It feels very small. I mean, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. I could I could see it being nominated in many categories, including music and editing and uh, you know, cinematography and, and acting. Even David Strathairn, and I don't know if that, I'm pronouncing his name correctly. No um, one I ever he knows. Was right. Like three different pronunciations. <laughs> David <the> Strathairn. <laughs> Um, so I I could see all of them being, uh, elevated to, to Oscar glory, but I think the way that you are describing it as being like this classic Oscar type movie is very surprising to me because I was watching the writer this weekend and I kept thinking like, to me, that is much more, um, it's much more of the texture of what you're describing. I know lots of people loved it. I thought it was good, but it it definitely seemed to be pulling my heartstrings (laughs) or getting me to like feel the sads uh, in a way that I didn't feel during Nomadland at all. Well, I think I I think to I'm sorry, I feel like I'm dominant. I'll, I'll just briefly respond to what you're saying, Robin, and say I think that it's it's not. See, I think the thing about the misery porn characterization is is that doesn't necessarily feel right to me because that does suggest that desperation or like that arduousness. And I think this goes too far in the other direction in the sense that this is almost too gentle. It's, it's too uh, sanitized and specified in terms of what we're seeing of these other characters of what we're seeing as her coping with her husband's death, which we literally learn in the first seconds as she snips something that's very obviously her significant mm-hmm. other's jacket. Like it, it's it's those things, and I think it's things like her, you know, uh, reciting Shakespeare uh, sonnets. And th- there's just 
there over and over. I feel like this movie, if it really wants to be as gentle and understated as it wanted, I just I don't think it can have it both ways in terms of aesthetics. Like I I don't think you can just show these brief uh, parts of all of these non-actors' lives and get a sense that this movie, for me, it didn't feel like this movie had empathy for them. It felt like we were on we were on a road trip, but we were touring through all these people's lives. And as Brown was saying, like you know, we keep going to each new place, and you know, she gets a, a new job, and and every once in a while, it's trying to like emphasize this loneliness, but it's it's like this other movie. Where where I'm like what what exactly what what is that call you trying to do? Because this is that gentle character study that that people or, or at times this has the 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 uh, the feel of that gentle character study. But like I just I don't feel like it it has the texture. Like I feel like this has so much of the imagery of what these people should go through. But I just didn't get a sense that I knew anyone here other than, like, their brief conversations. And these people are obviously deeply engaging and have had incredible experiences in their life. And, you know, I there is definitely something true that, like, it would be deeply unfair of me to say that these people are living this way because of econo- only economic circumstances. That's not the case. That's definitely not the case. But when you structure your film this way, you, you're not bringing it, – it's not necessarily pity, but and it's not glorifying the uh, poverty or anything, but you're still romanticizing it in this very kind of – a toothless way like i just i i never felt like this movie had the teeth that it implied that it wanted to about this lifestyle of people who lost their jobs after the great recession like i i I didn't need them to endlessly talk about you know losing their houses or anything but like you don't really get to do it all. You gotta, you gotta pick something, like, because otherwise, then it's just kind of this this uh, mushy tone poem for me. I I don't know. You know, it's funny because the you say, oh, they're just kind of um, we get snippets of their lives, but I think that is emblematic of how you live in this lifestyle. Uh, you know, they're their meetings are very fleeting. They go to that annual con- conference, quote unquote, in the <laughs> desert, sure. and they may see each other at these itinerant jobs, but they're largely isolated. So I think it is maybe part of the spirit of this um, lifestyle or the subculture that you only get these snippets. I think, Bill, you alluded to this. I mean, one thing, too, to think about is so this is based on um, a nonfiction book by Jessica Bruder and she followed many of these people around kind of in the similar way that that Fern does at the beginning of the movie where she buys a second hand van and customizes mm-hmm. it to some degree and I, I found those details very interesting to me because um, I, I really like survivalist fiction and I think this is 
adjacent to that. Like it's a it's a survivalist western that also happens to be set in 2011 or what have you. Um, but Bill, you were describing the economic circumstance, and from what I know of the book, a lot of these folks do these um, these wage jobs or these uh, low wage jobs because it's the easiest work they can do at that age. So some of them are mm-hmm. ticket takers at NASCAR or they run um, uh, like museum experiences or you, you just, you see her do this where she's a campgrounds coordinator. Um, yeah. I think David Strathairn is a, is a fry cook. And so these are taken from the novel from mm-hmm. what I'm aware um, from what I've read about the book. So I don't think it's Zhao sort of making up this idea that, you know, she's going around to different areas. I mean, she, and doing this type of work, um, it's really based in people who, lots of them who had careers, white collar careers to some degree, lost all their savings when, when the market crashed. And then, you know, they, this is their only entryway into the, into the workforce. Um, so I think, I think it does a good job of that. And, you know, like, and as you describe. Fern is educated. She's literary. She was a tutor um, for parts of her life or a teacher for parts of her life. So she's obviously intellectually fulfilled by lots of different things. Um, Mm. And I, I thought that was interesting too, that, you know, I don't, are we in the spoiler section yet? Yeah. Why not? I I think so. It's been a while. (laughs) So what, what struck me about this movie is that we talk a lot about, choice or individual choice but specifically for her she has conversations with other people where they're like stay <laughs> you know stay with me <laughs> why did you why have you always been the kind of person that hops around and, and can never be the person who stays and that's what her, her sister kind of says sure. to her and other people who try to get her to stay where they are and some of the criticism of this film that i've heard is that this is a poor depiction of poverty or this is a poor depiction of what it's like to be um, uh, poor. (laughs) It's a poor depiction of being poor or it's like a rich person's idea of what it's like to be um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. without a safety net. And to me, this is, this is not really a movie about being poor necessarily. Uh, It's a movie about wanting that isolation and, and being a grieving person partner and living in that grief and what it means to to find um hope and love again but not the kind of love that you expect it's you know it's not like she really falls in love with anybody but she kind of learns this self-love through isolation and by relying on herself um so that's what what made it feel a very emotional film for me it's interesting that you say that because like it's so it would be so easy for this film to do a couple of things. There's there's a scene early on when she's at that job placement services and she finds a dog just walking the 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 mobile home campground right outside of this Amazon facility. And she just finds this dog and she brings it to the to the job placement services lady and she's like hey is anyone missing this dog and she's like no we haven't had any claims for it do you want to just take it and she's like and that is that is a key point 
in a moment or key moment in a lot of films like this mm-hmm. where they would just go, yep, now she's got a dog, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And she, she just looks at that dog and she goes, nope, I am not having a dog. I yeah. I am struggling to take care of myself at this point, right? I'm, I'm keeping it together and I don't need anything else adding to that drama or anything else adding to that weight, right? She wants to kind of live on her own. She wants to go through this process herself. And I feel like that's a big kind of right turn that a lot of films would, you know, go right down that path. The other thing is that, yes, there is David Strathairn character in this and as soon as he shows up right he's a familiar face among all these other kind of non-actors and everything like that blah 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 and he's a silver fox so yes (laughs) he's all of that thing but he is the classic oh i recognize his face there's no way he's gonna be just a small small minor character right but he's very obviously a handsome man around her same age she is now a widow right we we don't quite know what is that timeline and everything like that but it seems like it's you know not that uh far away that he passed away right and that's it and you're like okay they're getting together here's their love story and this movie is like fuck that i don't want that to be what this is about it all and he's constantly like pruning for her or pruning pruning? for her pruning he's pruning i mean he's he's more like moping yeah yes and and it would be so easy for this film to just put them together and go okay here's here's the happy ending and here's here's what you expect this film to be and it's it's like no, that's that's not what she wants to do, and that's not her character's life. And you know, I feel like whether she would have she has a lot of money or had a lot of money or didn't, she would still be on the road, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's I think what a lot of these people want out of their lives now is they're like, I've been tied to a location. I've worked for 50, 60, 70 years. I don't want to be tied to a location. This this country is beautiful. I want to explore it on wheels and just drive there like why not and so yeah you you know robin's exactly right they will take these small minuscule jobs that don't take a lot of effort and energy on their part and it's just like okay it's a paycheck and it gets me to my next destination and that's that's what i'm just trying to do i'm just trying to hop from location to location and and live my best life in those locations and so yeah i I feel like dependent yeah no they don't they don't want to be tied to a system right and i feel like that's this film's kind of cognizant pushback against maybe capitalism or things like that which kind of makes them have to stop and go work at amazon during a seasonal work and it's just like why are they doing that and it's like cuz they have to have some kind of pocket change to basically get around in this world you know and and it's it's depressing to kind of watch in a way where 
you see like that sequence where Francis McDormand is is stationed outside of like a gas station and the gas station manager is like, I have no problem with you being here, but like seriously there's a church down the road. Yeah. yeah, there's a church down the road. Do you like I don't want you to freeze in your V and guess what? Like <laughs> I experiencing 46 degrees inside your own fucking house is is uh revelatory in terms of like what the cold actually does and like just how miserable you can fucking be inside like a, a small area and you know i mean i i am i am not someone that is poor and it's just like fuck that is that is Braggart. not <laughs> but it's like that is not okay and that is not a good way to like live your life like fucking bundled up in like tin blankets like damn so you know she she kind of wants to feel those kind of feelings i i'm i'm i recall a lot of artists talking about and particularly directors you know uh hey deborah granick is someone that you know would be perfectly uh perfectly fit this description of she more than likely could have taken some higher profile jobs and she didn't. She wants that kind of grind. She kind of enjoys that kind of grind. And so, you know, I think there's just certain people out there that kind of want to feel nature in all its glory or all its shittiness. Like, you know, they're like, no, I don't want to hand out anymore. I lived a very comfortable life for most of my life. And now it's time for me to kind of struggle a little bit and like find my own way in this world. And so I think, I think in a way, this is kind of like a back to basics kind of, kind of lifestyle that a lot of these people are living in. Like how little can I have and still get away and live in this world? So my issue is that everything <laughs> you all are saying sounds interesting, but it's all in the same movie and none of it's done particularly yes. well or give like, yes. like, you, <laughs> like everything you're saying is like, great. Oh, she's like living with her grief and everything. We don't find out the depths of her grief until like the end of the movie. And before that, yeah. her job is to empathetically listen to these people tell these stories and to like sort of look askance at David Strathairn. Whenever he, <laughs> whenever, is he Austrian now? Like what? I know. I'm just every time I say Stradarn, I'm gonna give it a different like weirdness on the last syllable. But like you know, it's her. Her job is to is to like fail at something, have someone tell her how to do it. Her job is then to listen to their sob story, to slowly get better. Like she doesn't have an emotional arc. She is a fucking tour guide through this lifestyle. And then when they finally yeah. get her to the point where she can assist, subsist on her own, they're like, Oh, right. We should probably pay off this character. Like they, everything you're saying is true, but that's why I was saying like, I kind of wish that Granick had just taken the, the like narrative of this movie and that maybe Zhao had just made a documentary, you know, cause nothing is being serviced well by this. And I don't give a shit about the optics. I don't give a fuck about really, a lot of the stuff that got us mired in conversation presently, <laughs> all I care about is the fact that this doesn't work as a narrative fiction because it doesn't know how to properly modulate what it's made up and its importance to the story while also trying to balance some sort of textured and nuanced recitation of the lives of these people because those two things are at odds with each other. 
I, I mean, that's I, I mean, to be fair, Brian, the, the thing that I'm saying about a movie star talking to non-actors is so much about why this doesn't feel like a narrative film or it doesn't succeed. This is so for, this for has me. come up. I feel like it was in song to song when I was like, you know, when when they go to Mexico or, or wherever they go, I think it was Mexico. And it's like you got Ryan Gosling, Rooney Mara yeah. and Michael Fassbender. And they're like sure. on a beach and someone comes up with like fortune telling cards and birds in cages and like yeah. all this other stuff. And I'm just like, I can't imagine like they this feels so real that I just like have to assume that they were just like, hey, can you guys just go like to the cafe and we'll shoot you with a long lens and see what happens to you. <laughs> but like, I just also feel like maybe they just did get like someone to kill like, Hey, can you play like an organ grinder for 15 minutes? Actually, it's a Terrence Malick film. Can you play an organ grinder for four weeks and <laughs> you'll be in two minutes, two seconds of the movie. Like that works for me because I know that I am watching a movie that is centered on this fake story about these fake people. But this mm. movie hedges too close to, to, to documentary docudrama for me to, Ha- be okay with that also because you know just by the nature of the story fern is alone except when she's with david strithern that i i just i there's... you you repeated that one i did what you repeated that one i've heard that before uh we'll see i don't know we'll listen to the playback and we'll let the fans decide um you gotta do emphasis on a different syllable next strathern. time <laughs> there we go no one's gonna say god bless you <laughs> what so like the issue is that like because she is only interacting with these other people unless it's with Davis there like there's just nothing going on like I, I'm just constantly aware of the fact that it is her but again I don't care mm. about the optics I don't care about the morality I don't care about the exploitation film is inherently exploitative <laughs> it's just what it is you know yeah. I don't care like we can talk about these higher ideals all we want and we should, it's great. It makes for good conversation. But like at the end of the day, if the movie's not good, we have to investigate that. And I think that even beyond any of the, the, like I said, the moral questions of it or the optics or anything like that, it's just, it's just at odds with itself and it never takes off in either direction. And so it just kind of keeps staggering from one side to the other with, you know, these people, hanging out in the magic hour a lot and and getting lost in the badlands national monument park and you know working at waldrug which i was su- super excited to finally see waldrug i don't does anyone don't else have like a concept of waldrug i've no. seen that, that dinosaur but i knew nothing about waldrug waldrug is a 100 percent real place um it's 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 uh it's locally famous and slightly world famous because like when I was a, a paper boy in my in my hometown, I was I would go to the streets, you know, and every day I would pass this car that had a bumper sticker that says, "Where the heck is Waldrug?" And I was Where told, in the world did you grow up?" Uh, Severna Park, Maryland. Oh, okay, so that's not. It's not anywhere mind. close to Waldrug. Yeah. But what I heard is that like Waldrug is this famous tourist trap that has like for hundreds of miles in every direction billboards that say like. 300 miles to Waldrug. And then when people would go overseas for war and, you know, they'd like have those signposts that are like Bismarck, you know, 4,000 miles. Someone yeah. would always put up one that said Waldrug. 
<laughs> okay. So, so, so so uh, yeah, I was just I was happy to see Waldrug. I didn't know even know that they had a dinosaur. <laughs> well, well, this I, sounds this sounds a lot like my Bucky story. Oh yeah, Bucky's is, is that, awesome. I I went yeah, to Bucky's just so, because of those stupid billboards. They're like, it's a yes. beaver. What is Bucky's? Okay, so so Bucky's more is Bucky's, think think of a small uh, we'll, we'll upgrade it a uh, small target that is attached to a gas station and it basically okay. has like just unlimited amounts of food items that you could like all custom made and like it's got like 15 different types of popcorn it's got 15 different types of these things called beaver nuggets which i don't know what, what the fuck they Excuse are me? but yeah they're beaver nuggets <laughs> um and they're delicious but uh and it's, it's got like all of this like custom made like you can only no, get it I'm at Bucky's. Googling this because if yeah, and, and it's, it's it B U C E E apostrophe S, I believe. Yes. No, I am Googling beaver nuggets. Oh, yeah, okay. I'm Googling beaver yeah, nuggets. No, no. <laughs> beaver nuggets are delicious. You got to get some. So but uh, is it made the, of beaver? Hold on, hold on. No, oh, no, no, it's no. Corn puff snacks. Yes. Oh, uh, okay. I'm disappointed. So, so <laughs> these, these, gas like station, <laughs> these gas stations in Texas are kind of legendary. They are gigantic gas stations in terms of like all the stalls. The other thing that you got to know about Bucky's uh, before I, I stop talking about Bucky's is their gas stations are legendarily clean. So like this is the rest stop if you're on a path that you like, uh, nope. We're, we're holding it until we get to a Bucky's because then it's just like, yeah, these these things are very nice. Uh, they uh, notably do not have any uh, uh, services and they do not service uh, 18 wheelers at all. Like they do not allow them to come in. So, um, you know, take from that what you will. Uh, but, yeah, they have like, you know, 150 gas slots and like gigantic uh you know, it, it ends up being kind of like a Walmart for a lot of the local residents because they usually put them in kind of in between places. Like they're well, not yeah, going to put the, it in. The Houston. context is that like for anyone who's never driven through Texas is that there's hundreds of miles of nothingness between the major mm -hmm. cities because yes. it's that big of a state. And so the Bucky's is like just a centrally located on like a highway between like, you know, san antonio and houston you know like a yep. four-hour drive and you can why is bucky's in paris texas that this sounds like there should have been a a scene at bucky's and and they oh, do they are like, right outside of every city center you'll see your first bucky's sign and it will say like you know yeah. 119 miles to bucky's like don't forget to go to bucky's and but so literally i went to my first bucky's because we were on the road going somewhere my family and i and we had only been in texas for like a year and I was just like, if we don't stop at Bucky's, I'm going to lose <laughs> my goddamn mind. And like literally every sign has this this cartoon character. And we we had this conversation. It's like, oh, I think that's a weasel. I think it's a beaver. I think it's like a mink or something. And one of the signs literally said, Bucky's, it's a beaver. <laughs> they knew. They, they knew. knew. They And I was like, we need okay. to go. And so I got one and I have a Bucky's shirt that no longer fits me. So so this is this is my brief Bucky story. I had to explain Bucky's for y'all to get the context, but now this is my brief Bucky story. To so understand so, Waldrug, you gotta understand Bucky's. And to understand <laughs> Bucky's, you gotta understand Texas. 
And you got to understand beaver nugs. Beaver nuggets. <laughs> okay, so here here it is real quick. So when I was in college, uh, I went to a college in Huntsville, Texas. And uh, it is kind of like Brian is saying, kind of in between. So uh, I would drive from Dallas and drive to Huntsville, which – you know, you would drive about 20, 30 minutes down the road from Huntsville and you would hit Conroe and Conroe was right next to the Woodlands, which is another bigger city. And the Woodlands is like 45 minutes away from Houston. So like there's nothing and then there's Huntsville and then the Huntsville is like a gateway to all these other increasingly larger cities. And um, so there used to be little signs all up and down the highway going to Huntsville, going to college that said like Bucky's coming soon. Bucky's, you know, 250 miles coming soon. And for two years, I shit you not, for two years, I had never Googled it. I had never looked into it. I was like, this is some gigantic joke that someone is playing on people like just buying up billboards <laughs> and it's like some kind of internet <laughs> troll thing because that Bucky's never existed until it fucking popped up one day and it was like Bucky's turn here and I turned in and I was like what the fuck is this <laughs> it's like like just this little haven and I was like this is amazing what the fuck have I been missing all my life and I was just like where are these things and people were like oh yeah they're, they're great like you you drive like Brian's saying you drive and drive and drive and two hours into your road trip there just happens to be a Bucky's and you're like fuck yeah here's a <laughs> and again and it, so, is, it uh, is it is like Bill said uh, it's like Target like there's a clothing section there's like a local yeah. knickknack section there's like 700 kinds of beef jerky and, yes. uh, Wait, it's, this sounds like my heaven. It's, yeah. It is it is insane. They have they like live make or they, they have like a bunch of like deli section and like they'll cook you a meal right there. They have barbecue. But the other thing that you gotta understand is they don't just like do like, oh, you know, you want some little nick. No, they'll sell you a fucking barbecue too. Like, like not like a little one, like a full, like, like <laughs> six foot barbecue. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> and so it just, like I said, they pay their employees fairly well. I think they pay them around like $15 an hour or something like that. And, you know, on up. And it just seems like it's just like this nice little hometown, like Mecca of like, what could the general store actually like look like in today's in modern, world? Yeah. So yeah, if you go to the Bucky's like, oh, website, is. which is B-U-C. I'm there. Oh, yeah. I'm oh, there. yeah, we're here. <laughs> so the Bucky's website, which if you want to go, it's B-U-C-E-E-S.com. That's how they spell Bucky's. I just want to say there's a YouTube video from a month ago. What not to do at Bucky's? <laughs> do not watch that. Um, so there's they, there's a section on the Bucky's website that is simply called World Records. <laughs> oh boy. And they have I don't want to know anymore. I want to experience it. Well, apparently yeah. the the New Braunfels store is the largest convenience store in the world. It is Does anyone want to guess how many square feet it is? Uh, oh, it's, it's 6,335. God damn it, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> You're a waste of life. <laughs> oh, Christ. There's a Wow, point. that's worse than lint. Do the longest car wash or... Yeah, the uh, world's longest car wash, which is 255 feet. 
Oh, do I, they I, have beaver? I mean, that's what I'm really here you for. You just you go to go in there and you're like, if I can't eat a goddamn beaver here. <laughs> the, the beaver, <laughs> wait, no, you, I don't think you understand. Like, like this would be like okay, so Target has the dog. Well, uh, no, I'm not going to use. You want to go and you want to um, eat Bullseye the dog or whatever the fuck his <laughs> name is. So, so, so this is like Chick Fil A, right? Chick Fil A, but you eat has the chickens. That, <laughs> yes, you eat the chickens, but what do what did they advertise? Right, they advertise with the, oh, cows, the cows, and they're like eat eat more chicken, right? So, so you Bucky the go beaver to is like, yeah. don't eat a beaver, eat more nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, eat eat my nuggets, but don't eat me. Like I I'm lovey. Um, now, see, they claim yeah. they have the world's cleanest restrooms, but that's not in the world record section. So I don't know if we can take that. That's that's, a, that's an opinion. It, it can never be fact. So yeah, I oh no way to be part of any any kind of uh like okay how do we judge a clean bathroom like uh, 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 no i don't uh what is what is it it's that supreme court like i i know it when i, I, I know, know it when i see, I see it. it yeah like i <laughs> so, don't but I, apparently I, in 2012 yeah. syntas which um is like a i don't need to explain syntas to people ran a nationwide restroom contest and made it official that bucky's is the cleanest what is syntas it's like one of those companies like cisco you know where they just like make everything and they supply stuff to people yeah they make a lot of employee uniforms and they'll like exchange your towels and like you know like refill all your bathrooms and like yeah, there there are a lot of like the behind the scenes like so you kind contract of them out like Sodexo yes. or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so like it's it's like you know if if you've got a bunch of restrooms and you need like hand soap, towels, and you need like your floor mats done, you just call Sintas and they're like, yeah, we can do that. Every month we'll come and give you all the stuff. So that's why all bathroom soap smells like almond. Correct. <laughs> anyway um this i'm is learning gonna... so much right now and i already texted yeah. my friend who lives in houston and i told him he has to take me here <laughs> he's you probably should. like i hear that from a lot of people outside of texas i was like have you heard of this place and he's like haha yes in all caps so because yeah, everyone in texas loves bucky's there's things in texas that people are like so amped about about the fact that like you can kind of only find them in Texas. I literally don't know if Bucky's exists anywhere else. And Bucky's is, is one no. of them. B-U-C-K-Y. It's like the Wawa, it seems. So, oh my god, so, yeah. Take a Wawa, multiply it by a thousand, and you're still nowhere near <laughs> it, to paraphrase train spotting. The thing about Bucky's is they they specifically haven't really branched out because they, you know, as as amazing as it sounds like it is kind of a, a needle in a haystack to like nail the right location and like and be this kind of central hub for a lot of these places so they noticeably or notably haven't expanded outside of texas i think they just opened a couple of locations in like louisiana Alabama. yeah somewhere yeah. like that so they're they're making their way but you know yeah they they will soon take over is is that the guy? Yeah. That's the image That's of the about- owner, and that is the Oh my god, it's the best picture. <laughs> His name is Arch Alpin the third. Yep. Yep. He as looks he must like- be. The guy from Miami Vice, and I'm losing his name. Don Johnson? Yeah, he's got like a, an old Don Johnson. I, look so when, we when clearly I have that, to have yes, yeah. a Bucky's, uh, <laughs> what, like a biopic, and we need to get Don Johnson involved. <laughs> Just like the founder with uh, Michael Keaton, right? Yes. Except this yeah. one will be a story of goodness and hope. 
<laughs> yes. If you work at a Bucky's, you get PTO, a 401k, and medical, dental, and visual insurance. I'm I'm telling you, like, I, they, they advertise the hell out of like how well they pay their employees, and it's like, oh shit, they are not actually taking advantage of these employees. And generally, the employees look pretty fucking happy when they're in there. They're like, this is the place to be. I get to see people from all over the fucking place. Yeah, there's cameras on them all the time. What do you expect? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, I want to work at Bucky's now. <laughs> d- d- Brian, I can send you a, a job. Um, no, I'm already on the career section of the website. So okay. I'm all right. <laughs> Just want to make sure. Okay. All right. I, I, I think I think we thoroughly like detoured and like took a pit stop at Bucky's. Like right now. the movie. Robin we Barr is here, so clearly we need a giant detour. Oh my god! I didn't even bring up this place. I know. This wasn't me. I was just ex- I was just like, hey, I was super cool to like finally see Waldrug in person. Everyone was like, whoa, that's a place. What's Waldrug? And then I accidentally said the word <laughs> Bucky's around a Texan, and uh, here we are. I did like how his son was like, or like, friend, or a friend's like, "How's that burger?" He's like, "It's fine." Yeah, he's like, "It's it's not hard to make a burger." I love, I love what a like, dick. shitty thing. God, I um, a... what was I gonna say? Um, th- I looked up Waldrug, by the way, just to like confirm the things that I had heard about it before seeing mm-hmm. this movie. And um, the history of Waldrug is actually quite interesting. So if anyone's interested, we're not going to get into it now since we already wasted so much time on Bucky's. But uh, <laughs> you should just look up the Wikipedia for Waldrug. It's interesting, but it's also not one of those ones that's 400 scrolls long. So you can get through it fairly quickly. Scrolls? You know, when you're scrolling on Wikipedia oh, and you're like, oh, my God, it just keeps fucking going. Mm-hmm. And it'll be like, you know... <laughs> public reaction or something your your key is uh what it says this section could use expanding you're like oh that means it's short all right Yay. i can read <laughs> what do they call it they call it like a slug or something like this is a a what am i call it like a nugget yeah a nugget. <clears throat> anyway. this is like an impression of a wiki article but it's not <laughs> a grown-up yet yes yeah this is this is a work in progress wiki they literally so do like, that they're like i don't know this is sort yeah. of a placeholder because we know someone's gonna want to add it at some point yep yeah anyway okay. if anyone knows what that's actually called when they uh they're like you know this is a a small wikipedia page uh tweet us at film stage show <laughs> um but yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I just the movie to me, there was like a point when I was like, like, what's ha- like, why are why am I still here? What like what am I going to get with the next last half hour of this? And it was uh, not much of anything. What's man? I know. I'm curious, Brian, did you it, it does sound like if you were on the film's wavelength in any way, it was some of the stories, some of the documentary style stuff. Did any of the fiction stuff work for you? No. No, not really. I mean, like, except for the fact that I assume it would be hard to get this kind of cinematography in a documentary. But I don't know. Like, the way it's shot, I assume, like, they would be... There's some pretty documentaries. (laughs) That's the thing, is, like, wait, no, then there's, like, Samsara and stuff like that, so maybe. I don't know. Like, yeah, I just, as I said, like, all the Francis McDermott stuff, I don't think Fern is a particularly interesting or compelling character. And I just, I never got into her in that way, you know? And And that's a shame, because she's literally carrying the entire movie and we don't go anywhere that she ain't so i don't know what about david schram <laughs> i mean you know Strathairn 
is a, a very interesting i like you know he's got a good face i don't know like it, but yeah. what am i doing with him like like you said I, I, there's yeah, a there's a point like you brought up the fact that he was in the hospital and i had literally forgotten that that happened in this movie. <laughs> and i literally i cannot tell you if it happened before or after she goes to his house it's like it's it's, it's after he it's he when he breaks her plates right and then like a scene later Sorry. he's in the hospital yeah yeah, not that far away from that. Yeah. He has some stuff that sounds shitty. What was that? <laughs> I don't know. He has something that sounds shitty. Just like sepsis of the gut or something like oh, that. Oh, God. Yeah, I so can't shitty. remember. But... You got a terminal case of rot gut. Uh, <laughs> you got what, angry what bowel syndrome. <laughs> <sighs> you've, oh, got, man. you've got betrayal of the viscera. <laughs> you have trailing viscera. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> um, I was looking up the Wikipedia of Hannibal since you brought it up recently, and that book was whack. I read it in seventh grade, and some of the imagery from that book still sticks with me. I have heard that from trailing everyone who reads Hannibal. I uh, just to clarify, I didn't bring up the book or the movie. I, I meant to bring <laughs> up the TV show. Right, Tom, right. Thomas Harris is a, a madman. He's only written like three books, right? Has he really? That's crazy. He seems like one of those guys who would do a ton of books. No, I think he was like, yeah, I don't have to ever again. No, <laughs> no. It says view 20 plus. Wait, oh, okay. maybe not. I don't know. All right, hold on. I think he only has three books that people remember. <laughs> That's but, damn. But I mean, they're big. Sick burn. Like J.K. Rowling's what written nine books, but don't you mean Robert Galbraith? <laughs> Galbraith, Strathairn, <laughs> the Jesus Christ, Sir Ronan, Sir Ronan, fucking transphobic numb de plume. <laughs> right, exactly. Christ, so I only her numb de plume is transphobic. Yes, yes, <laughs> she based it on. Oh God! It's like a famous conversion, uh, gender conversion. Uh, Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, That's I'm hilarious. I thought you were making what? a joke about how, like, you know, she's Jekyll and Hyde or something. Oh, Michael, Christ. can you please at she least try works. to verify what you just said before we yeah, get yeah, yeah. sued by someone like Scholastic. yeah? J.K. Rowling denies I've, I've heard her that name as well. is uh, inspired by anti-LGBTQ plus conversion therapist. Wait, what's There's the a- therapist's name? Robert Galbraith. <laughs> oh, wow. It's okay. also close on to the nose. Robert Galbraith Heath, a conversion therapist who pioneered the since discredited use of shock treatments to cure homosexuality. He's All right. Fucking monster. <laughs> uh, sorry, what, what are we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> no Madland. Am I bringing us back to No Madland right now? <laughs> Oh, this is so I'm sad. Fun. I'm sad because it was my favorite film of 2020, and maybe that speaks more to 2020. I don't know. I don't. My favorite film was uh, World of Tomorrow. I don't know. What? <laughs> I thought we were just naming our favorite films of 2020. Wait, what was your favorite film? World of Tomorrow, episode three. It's a short film because Brian is. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar not I to really brag think... but uh i was quoted on the kickstarter for the blu-ray Mazel. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> oh, 
I, I just really loved it. I thought, you know, um, Michael, you mentioned that it reminded you of American Honey, which maybe was not a great comparison for you, but I really loved that movie. And I had the same thoughts where it was just this uh, portrait of the American heartland made by somebody who did not grow up in America. Um, which mm, I just like hell or high water. Exactly. Exactly. Except Hell or High Water is a good movie, and this movie and American Honey are not. Hell or High Water is okay. Wait, so you're it's saying cool these movie. movies that are about women, made by women, aren't good? Oh, oh we're going to take oh, that turn. Snap. <laughs> Jesus. Let me start naming movies by women that I like as a means of defending myself while all somehow women. also digging not my all hole women. deeper. <laughs> I know. Don't fetishize me. No, I mean, Brian, we're on the same page, so I don't know why you were trying to be like, oh, I, I, I don't even need to focus on the exploit. I wasn't trying to focus. I don't give a shit if it's exploitative. I just want it to be interesting. If it's <laughs> I don't I loved the imagery. I just thought it was so beautiful. I, I mean, yeah, I it's love beautiful. I'm, I'm not going to take that away from it. And the macrocosms are so interesting to me. Watching her... Um, customize her van and all the little details of the of the supplies that she needs and how much she can actually bring with her like that was meaningful to me to read about and then you have the giant expanse of the U.S. that is monument so monumental that I was sad we were watching it on our you know 60 some odd inch tv screen it really deserved to be on a on a large Look at you with your 60-some-odd-inch yeah. TV screen well, while I'm here with got? my 55-inch. Is that big or not? Because like I'm a, telling like my husband I want a 70-something. Um, uh, we don't, I don't have the room in our apartment. That's the thing. is you're There's supposed to be Go some kind of a, like a, a ratio, like depending yeah. on how far away you're sitting, how big your TV should be. Yes, and I and what that ratio has always said is if you can go bigger, go bigger. So they they no 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 you are home <laughs> like go literally in your just home, like, Michael. Like it's okay to go bigger than what you need, but it is not okay to go smaller than what you need. Really, because so, I feel you know. like at a certain point it's diminishing returns. Like when you're sitting in the first row of a movie theater, like that's you know. Well, I mean, just don't be that fucking close like scoot your ass back this is this is for a tv in a living room not a tv as your monitor although i do know some crazy ass motherfuckers that use a giant tv as their monitor and i don't know what's wrong with them but that's that's their deal um tell me what to do bill yeah well, <laughs> if i want to ruin my eyesight what I'm is a tv to. if not a very large monitor yeah, I mean, yes, it is, but not usually looking at questions. like <laughs> word documents and reading from it. So, you know, but yeah, my hope, my point is, I just thought Sh- Zhao really shows off the beauty of parts of the U.S. that you don't often see on film, or when when things like westerns were very popular. Uh, you didn't always get that real experience of the desert or the real experience of the Badlands. You got a lot of the beautifully painted backgrounds um, or you got them in black and white, which, you know, I'm sure it has its own beauty, of course. Uh, but I loved the color palette of this film, all those wonderful lilacs and 
mauves and uh, tints and I will agree. Yeah, I really want to go to the Badlands <laughs> National Park now. Like that that place looks friggin' awesome. And I'd never really I, seen it committed to film before. Yeah, I just thought it was so interesting. And by the way, how dare you say that I thought less of films by women about women when I loved Leave No Trace? You know? I I was joking. I was being obnoxious. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I didn't I mean I liked Heller High Water. It didn't, you know, blow me away, but it has a completely different uh, get down from your cross. You're fine. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's a super different movie. I mean, that's a genre film through and through. And this is, I don't even know what I would call this. Jackie Jenna. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you said that like Ursula from The Little Mermaid somehow. I think these films are more immersive to me. Like when I, these films, I'm talking about also American Honey sure, or even sure. The Rider. These are very immersive, um, you know, I don't want to say gentle storytelling, but I think, Michael, you had used the word gentle, so I'll reuse it here. I think these movies have a completely different touch than, say, Hell or High Water, which, um, you know, not all films made in Texas are... (laughs) Have a sledgehammer touch. (laughs) Yeah. No, well, I'm thinking of, like, um, um, what just came... I just watched a movie about Texas... And I can't remember what it was called. The Alamo. Uh, no, well, No Country for Old Men, for example. Yeah. Or um, there was this movie with with Sally Field where she plays a farm widow. I really like that movie. It has a very scary tornado scene. Um, <laughs> it was called, like, n- not, No Place. Coal Miner's Daughter? No, no. It's like. Is it recent? Wait, I, that is not Sally. No. Oh, God. This is from Norma like, Ray? No, it's not Norma Ray. It's it's a forgotten movie for some reason, but Places it got a bunch in the of heart. Places in the Heart. Thank you. That's another Texas movie that I don't know. It has not that not that um, Nomadland is set in Texas necessarily, but I think they all have a certain visual texture, but not the same emotional texture. So it to me, it is very different. I love Sally Field. <laughs> she was great yeah. in Lincoln. John Malkovich was really good in this film, although in hindsight, he's playing a blind man. And uh, there's a lot of aspects of that performance that are very questionable. But, you know, when you consider the time frame that this was set in, you know, things of that nature, I still think it was a very good performance, but not something I would uh, commend or recommend (laughs) uh, today. Like, do not cast a sighted person as a blind person. Or do and get canceled. <laughs> all right well that was something i really liked about oh, the writer like the writer for those who michael have you seen it i did yeah so lane scott who is a real person plays himself in the film and he yeah. he's plays a former uh, he plays a version of himself and this this young man um was severely injured in a car accident and he and like the main character in the writer was a rodeo bronco. Um, I said rodeo clown. <laughs> <laughs> rodeo rider or a bronco rider. Um, not to overuse the word rider, but he was like a, a a very physical person, and and he plays himself. And he really in real life he was in this terrible accident, 
and is um, significantly disabled by it. He uses a wheelchair. He has difficulty with communication. Um, he has just difficulty in general with mobility and um, I think uses sign language. And he plays himself in this film. This is not this is not a, uh, a non-disabled person playing a disabled person. I think I think that's one thing I really value about Zhao's choices in that sense is that she, um, you know, maybe you could say, oh, it's the easy way out to just choose all these these real life people. I mean, for example, Lindy, uh, Linda May and Swanky were included in Bruder's book. Like they're not just new random people yeah, plucked yeah. for the movie. Like they are the protagonists of the book essentially and i don't know i i don't think of it as a shortcut i think she just knows exactly the kinds of stories she wants to tell and knows exactly the kind of people that can help her tell those stories and i i like the naturalism of that to me it doesn't go any it 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 just i'm in the moment with it i don't need fern to have an arc i don't need for her to have revelations or anything like that i'm just with her along the way i i wish i was with her too but i'm not with her (laughs) what's a better version of this movie for you i know you mentioned doing a doc i I think it's a doc um i yeah i'm kind of with brian almost very little about the fiction uh worked for me Um, i think they did not make fern an interesting or compelling enough character yeah, I mm-hmm. yeah, I I think there was something to, you know, it, it's I I wasn't particularly into Fern earlier, but then once we especially go back to Empire, you know, right at the end, I was like, you didn't really earn this. Like it, it's just it's it's very interesting to me because I feel like as that movie goes along, it, it it's more constructing a conscious arc, I, in a way, and it's like, but it's it's not in any way. Uh, organic or like or, or, or no it's not even it doesn't matter that's organic like it's not even awkward in an interesting uh you know way to me it's just like uh, again like these textures are uh, clashed together and it needs to find some kind of uh some kind of ending so it just kind of diffuses like it's it's just I, I i don't know like i i think so many of the things in here that are supposed to be kind of graceful and, and beautiful just kind of come off as really affected and uh, like, yeah, uh, ponderous, I guess is the word I was using earlier. So, yeah, I think, uh, I, oh, I, sorry. I, yeah, my, my one thing would be like, like it, a lot of the characters in this movie who are in Fern are a lot more interesting than Fern. And I don't know yeah. if they were like afraid to make Fern super interesting because it would overshadow the real life people or not. But oh, like, that's interesting. Yeah. Her her story does nothing for me, mainly because like we don't really know the whole of it until almost the end of the movie. And she's not really acting in a way that makes me curious to know what's up with her. But like Swanky's trying to like live her life because she doesn't want to go back inside a hospital. Yeah. And like, you know, things like that are like, oh, that's interesting. That's like a that's a movie I would see. And then Fern is just like, I don't know, my husband died and I've never really been good with like being places except for all the time that I was an empire <laughs> with my husband. Um, and so I'm just doing this now. And it's like, OK, that's that's it. Like, what are you driving towards? Like, what are you attempting to do? Because she doesn't even seem to like like doing stuff. She just likes to work. That's not an interesting character. Like, it's not even like she's 
like battling with her newfound freedom after uh, like a lifetime in this uh, company town, you know, while also trying to get over the grief of her husband. It's just she's just like, I got to go somewhere. I got to make money. I got to work and then I got to do it all over again. She like has no. There's like, what am I charting her for? Like, what is her, what are her goals and ambitions? You know, what, what does, does she, she want need to do? That? Yeah. Does a person need goals and ambitions to have I mean, a life worth living? Um, central. Yes. She's central to the film. So like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I would say no, like I'm fine just watching people, but like this film very much wants you to think her, her arc is moving like it's supposed to be grandiose and like i just don't think it earns any of that and it seems to keep reminding me that i'm supposed to find something more moving than i am yeah i don't like you know i don't think that every person on earth needs to have ambitions and stuff but like i don't find people who don't have ambitions particularly interesting um and if i'm gonna spend two hours with someone i'd prefer if they did have some you know, if you're if you're leading a movie and you're in this interesting world filled with these interesting people who do have them, like don't don't give me insights into people who I'd rather be following than the main <laughs> character of the movie that you're making. Okay. I've I've thought about this a lot because I think that there is this idea in maybe Western filmmaking, for example, where we need characters to go through a, a growth experience. Sure. Um or that there's there's you know, the idea of the monomyth, they, they have an adventure mm-hmm. um, and that their stories take a particular um, arc, you know, and then you get to the Denoman and, and what have you. But I, you'd watch a lot of these Studio Ghibli films, for example, and they don't follow what we would consider like the typical story structure. Um, and I kind of wonder, like, what is the what is the goal or ambition or end game of a film like my neighbor Totoro. Um, I mean, as a, a person who has seen my neighbor Totoro eight times in the last week, <laughs> because I have a four-year-old daughter who also now keeps asking when we can go walk in the forest to find Totoro, um, which is awesome, but it's fucking freezing outside. So I've just got to like somehow get her to hang on until spring. Um, you know, I think she's gonna that, be sorely disappointed when we don't find him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna have to come up with some some dad logic. Um, but anyway, what I was gonna say, Easter Bunny. What? Does she still believe in the Easter Bunny? No, no, no child ever believes in a literal Easter Bunny. I don't understand. Like the tooth fairy and Santa Claus. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, no, I believed that until I was like eight. And then you ask about the Easter Bunny, and they're like, no, that was always bullshit. <laughs> like, for whatever reason, we draw a line at a rabbit who delivers eggs in a basket. <laughs> like, Not I think the it's because. Who steals your body parts for money. First of all, they don't steal, steal them. them, they take yeah, the tribute that is offered to them. Right. It's consensual. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I thought that my phrasing might have like gotten on someone's nerves, and I'm glad to know that it's Michael's. But like, I th- I still think like the girls in my neighbor Totoro operate with so much enthusiasm and so much curiosity and so much love for each other and their mother and their father and Totoro itself. Like, it doesn't need to have an endgame because the you are kind of just. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Vicariously experiencing the joy and wonder of the existence of all life through them. 
and I don't get that shit from Fern. I don't like this doesn't seem like a fun or interesting life to me from Fern. But Swanky's over here talking about her flying on a kayak with swallows and like rainfalls of shells. And I'm like, yeah, Swanky's lived an interesting life. Let's follow Swanky around because she is going to go out and do some stuff and experience some stuff. And Fern is like, I want to go be part of a beet harvest. (laughs) What? I think that's very interesting. I mean, think of the creativity, the constant creativity that you have to generate in order to live this way. I mean, I I, I thought it was very interesting. What? I agree that it's interesting, but I don't feel like any of that interest ever translated into Fern's story. I'm kind of with, I'm with Brian. I know it pains you to say that, Michael, but (laughs) (laughs) it's terrible. Just a constant battle. (laughs) Any kind of like, I mean, you know, one of my favorite movies is, is Manchester by the sea, a movie that like literally it's, it's like climax is a character saying, I can't beat this thing. It's like giving up tearing your heart out. Oh yeah. 100%. Just Uh, a very gentle movie. Yeah. Just like the (laughs) sweetest, kindest, you know, that and my neighbor Totoro would make a great double bill. Um, <laughs> in well, one know, of a lot my... of people do my neighbor Totoro and uh, Graveyard Grave of the, the Fireflies. Fireflies. Yeah, because they was like they were released in like the same year, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. So right you know, different directors, but yeah, yeah, correct. But you know, but anyway, uh, what was I going to say? Like, I don't need a character who succeeds or you know comes out on the other end a changed person. Like, I'm totally fine with Casey Affleck just being like, yeah, no, I'm still fucked up. And I'm not going to, like, you know, take you in, you know, but maybe I'll get, like, an apartment with two rooms so you can visit every now and then. But I am I am a broken, broken man. And I won't even accept, like, the apology of my ex-wife because I want to continue to live in misery. Like, spoilers for <laughs> Manchester by the Sea, by the way. But, like... Yeah, I like I don't I don't 100% need Fern to come out the end of this being like, you know what I want to do? I want to buy a Mick mansion and I want to live forever. But I just Mick mansion. Yeah, Mick mansion. Not a regular one. I don't know. I just like the way you said that. <laughs> David <laughs> Schreier. <laughs> <laughs> David so yeah, I, I just but I just need I need something. I need some struggle. I need some joy. You know, I need I need anything. I just need something. And I feel like she is this vacuous hole in the middle of this movie that um, strips time away from all the more interesting parts. I'm curious, since you guys both uh, wish that this was a documentary, what what type of documentary uh, works for you? Like, you know, like, for example, the films of last year or 2020, uh, what what, say that again? City Hall. City (laughs) Hall, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't uh, see City Go ahead. Because I don't have four hours to kill. <laughs> it's not to kill. It's to it's to enrich. But I am curious what spoke with spoke for you, uh, you know, visually or storytelling wise in in the documentary, the recent documentaries, and and that goes for you too, Bill. Like, what what style would this have been useful for you? I mean, I enjoyed the movie, so I I, I'll, 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 I know you did, but I'm I'm curious. I, almost, I also think it's good to as much as I didn't like this movie, I think a a bloody nose, empty pockets style, mm. just like fly on the wall at like the Nomad Con or whatever it was called, <laughs> the no, rubber rubber the rubber tramp rendezvous was that it? One yeah. for the road. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that that would have been cool. Like, I don't, I don't even need like just you know hang around, listen to some stories, cut them together real good. You know, find like talk to these people who clearly all have the same interest in like telling each other why they're doing what they're yeah. doing. But like, don't try to get me invested in the story of this woman who ultimately doesn't seem like she's that invested in her own story. Yeah, I, I would. I, I would want like a, a survey of this. Uh... I, I would have been fine with one area, I, I w- whether it was the convention or whether it was just a location. Um, I, I would have been fine with just a survey of spending a lot of time with, with those people seeing the process of like, I, I would see I'm a weirdo and this is coming from someone who loves Wiseman films. Like I would have totally been happy of seeing them, uh, you know, literally change the whole tire and let me see that. Like, let me see see the entire conversations uh, between things uh, but like uh, but that's not to say i'm just a weirdo i, I just think that <laughs> i mean i um but um you said that very woody allen ish I, I yeah i didn't i didn't mean to that's not a great analog uh to be compared to <laughs> they heard it here first um, michael snydell the woody allen of the film scene <laughs> show <laughs> it, it just the way you said it was sounded very much like him but. I'm just saying that I think that I think that again, like I'm thinking even if we wanted to use these non actors and make a fiction film with them, like, for instance, as Brian was saying, like, just show me swanky or or something Mm -hmm. like I, I, I still might have some problems with that structure. Like, I just generally don't love films about people in with the terminal sickness. I, I just think they they don't often work. No, I just don't think they often work uh, in terms Stop of Stop bitching about it and just take your own <laughs> life already. But like that is to say like if if it did that, I think I'd feel a lot more on board with this. So yeah, I uh, yeah, maybe I'm like Brian. Yeah, Fern just kind of sucks. <laughs> I think I'm with Brian. <laughs> Fern just brings down this movie for me. Oh wow! Death the Francis McDormand and David Strathern is good though. So wow, that was a reach. What? What, <laughs> what I do? Strathern turned him into like having a hundred syllables in his name. David David Strathern. I mean, what do you want? Fine. Yeah. Um, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, Bill, you're not allowed there. to say that anymore. People can mm-hmm. keep talking. If you want to go, you can go. <laughs> um, on that note, though, is, is there any more to say about this movie? I feel like we've 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 thoroughly dissected it. Robin Barr, I think final? I'll say one more thing, which is I don't think Fern is a quote unquote easy protagonist. She's angry. She's she's kind of a malcontent in some ways. Um, she's not. She's not the kind of person that softens very easily. And I think maybe that's why she's a hard to take type of person. Um, because she's not so rough that you stand by her necessarily, where you're like, yeah, like angry woman. Go get him, Fern. Right. She's she's not that character from the three bibbing L boards or whatever. The th- <laughs> Just someone bibbing L boards. That would that would have been a better movie. <laughs> uh, she's it's like so, a she's weird. Not that person. <laughs> she's a grump, yeah. 
And I think that's why maybe she's hard to swallow. But I think that's that that is the aspect of her character that I really liked is that she wasn't she's not the person that took the dog, you know, and she's not the type of person where you're spending the whole movie with her and this this companion. She She had to make a choice for herself. Um, Yeah, I thought that was a a perfect example, Bill. So thank you for bringing that up. I um. (laughs) am. I, I think that I would have preferred if she was a misanthrope rather than a malcontent because a malcontent <laughs> is just a person who looks at everything around them and goes, yeah, but I'd want someone who looks at everything around them and goes, I hate this, you know, like I just, I don't know. Like, you you got to make them relatable for Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat, so I can't speak too much. <laughs> that is correct. All right. Well, yes. So that is it. Nomadland. It's on Hulu now. So uh, check it out if you if you dare. Um, that's it. That's it for today. So let's uh, let's let's wrap it up. You remember, you can go to patreon.com slash the show to give us your money. And of course, you can go to mubi.com slash film stage for a free 30 day trial of movie so that you, too, can watch and uh, summarily forget everything about audition. And um <laughs> And yeah, what are we what are we talking about next week? We are talking about uh Minari uh, next week. Is it is it uh is it my time now, by the way? Oh yeah, I guess you can yeah. <laughs> uh so next week will be my last episode of the film stage show. Um I am stepping <laughs> down. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, that was perfect timing. No, no, no. Uh no, legitimately next week is my uh my last episode of the show. Um the film stage has not gotten rid of me. I'm actually going to double down on the intermission podcast. There'll be more information about that coming soon. And there will also be more information coming soon about who my chair's replacement would be. Um, I'm not, I, I don't know what quite to say. Maybe maybe I'll have some uh, really sentimental stuff that I'll feel really uncomfortable about saying next week. But for now, I'll just Thanks. say, uh, yeah, it's it's been a great time. I've really enjoyed my uh my time on the podcast, but it's just, uh, it's time for, uh, something new, uh, for me. And, you know, uh, I'm excited for what the next chapter of the film stage show is going to be. So, uh, look forward to hearing about that, but, uh, you get one more episode of me and then, uh, and then maybe you'll miss me, but I, but I doubt it. (laughs) Yes. Well, next week we will all wish a hearty good riddance and fuck you to Michael Snydell. Winner no mare. Oh, man. Also, this will be the only announcement ever about this. Uh, this is a way for us to prove who actually listens past the end of the episode. <laughs> Although, quickly, it will proliferate throughout the Slack channel anyway. So I mean, assuming know. anyone listens all the way to the end. Yes. There are people who give money to us, good American dollars to us, and then proclaim, I don't listen to podcasts, which 
Well, there there also are people that are like, I haven't like listened to y- y'all's podcast in like three months because I haven't watched anything <laughs> lately, and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> people so, just want a community. Yeah, for some it's, reason, it's good. We we have a, a nice <laughs> thriving community for for some <laughs> fucking reason, but I love it. Yeah, I talked to three people. One of them's my daughter. One of them's a dog, and I've never been happier. <laughs> <laughs> What about snack? I don't talk to the snake. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. But anyway, so yes, uh, Michael Snydell is leaving. Um, We are all actually under a uh, sealed gag order, uh, unable to talk about the circumstances or reasons behind his leaving. Yeah, no DMs. All conspiracies. What I am, what I am legally allowed to say is that we wish him the best. In all his future endeavors. Full stop. <laughs> uh, this is this is fully of my accord. I'm not being pushed out. Yes. Um, and and by the way, Raymond Shaw is the kindest, gentlest, warmest, <laughs> most wonderful human being I have ever known in my entire life. There's um, <laughs> uh, a joke all for right. all you Manchurian candidate fans out there. Anyway, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, uh, next week we're going to be talking about Minari. Hurrah, hurrah. Um, blessings and good tidings to all. And uh, that's it, I guess. We've already done everything else. So now it's time to tell the fine folks at home where we could be found between now and the next time that we assault their ears with our various opinions. Uh, we begin with our guest, Rumbar, where people find your stuff online. Yeah, um, you can find me on Twitter, uh, R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. That's my Twitter handle and my name. And you could probably also find some of my writing at thehollywoodreporter.com and, I don't know, Google. All right. Bill <laughs> just, just Google. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just type Google anything me. in or Google.com. It's just <laughs> <laughs> Google.com. <laughs> my favorite website. Um, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG, where I will long for road trips and using Bucky's as an excuse to to stop for a moment um, and get some beaver nugs and other things. Uh, but yeah, I'll also be on Instagram at Billstagram. And then as always, mixing up in the Slack channel where uh, I've gone a, down a deep rabbit hole where I bought Erica a, well, bought Erica, bought us a Nintendo Switch. And now she has played, she has logged maybe 20 hours into uh, Animal Kingdom. <laughs> Crossing. Animal Crossing. Animal Kingdom is a TV show on TNT based <laughs> off of an Australian movie. <laughs> yes, that was a good movie. Uh, that was my first introduction to... I can't remember his name right now. Um, ben Mendel. Yeah. What yeah. an introduction very, if you can't remember his name. Very sweaty. Very sweaty in that movie. Um, that whole movie is very sweaty. But yeah, she's logged like 20 hours in the last two days. So uh, figure that math out. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been fun watching her just like dive in fully. So that's what well, I've been doing. a David doing. Michaud movie. Yeah. That's Jackie Weaver. Yeah, Jack man. It's Pierce, good. Joel Edgerton. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. He directed the rover. Very Australian. I liked the rover. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I didn't see it. Who else we got? Michael Snydell. Uh, where can people find your shit after you leave us? <laughs> <laughs> I'm on uh, Twitter at Snydell. Uh, 
where I'll be, you know, uh, saying what's next and shit, um, and why I got a uh, fire. I mean, um, why I'm leaving. Um, and and uh, yeah, I will. Uh, I will be answering zero questions about who <laughs> my replacement will be, but I will be on cinephile uh this week if people want to uh be confused why i'm leaving in person um please get all of your conspiracy theories together i would like to hear all of them <laughs> it's because you got doxxed right <laughs> now you're fearing for your life and entering <laughs> no, witness protection on this podcast so. <laughs> <laughs> some crazy fan finally put all the pieces of the puzzle together it wasn't difficult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're in Chicago. You have a voting place in your. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Found you. Also, you gave your your fucking fiance's full name. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. To be fair, there are many people with that name. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um as for me, uh you can find me online in all the usual places. Twitter.com. I'm Brian J. Rowan. Brian J. Rowan everywhere, really. I'm really good at uh keeping my brand tight. So on any social media platform at Brian J. Rowan. And of course, uh you can find me at filmstage.com where you can find every episode of this podcast. Uh I also have my personal site, BrianJRowan.com, that I just revamped. So take a look and let me know what you think or don't. I really don't care. And that is all for the day. Uh join us next week when we will be talking about Minari. And uh yeah, that's it. So thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. Join us next time. <laughs>